Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm going to drive this bus because this feels you like... You want to drive it? Okay. Like, I I was born to drive this bus. Go ahead. You know? Go ahead. I've been preparing for this bus forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Wistful Thinking, Pandemic Edition. I'm Kara Gail O'Regan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jordan Pullen clark Jordan, how are you? Yo, I'm very angry. <sighs> yeah. Why? Well, uh, I'm just like... I feel I've been doing my research. I've been talking to you. I started, we, Kara and I in the last week have off air made like 16 podcasts, <laughs> which, which is just how we refer just to talking to each other. Having a conversation. <laughs> We're like, oh, we should hit record on that one. But um, no, I feel, I feel like I've done my research and I feel like pissed because I don't think that anyone where I am or in a lot of places people are taking the precautions that should be taken so that this is less of a shit show it's gonna be a shit show no matter what we do and there's stuff we can be doing now and I don't think people are doing enough things and it is very hard to do those things if nobody else is doing them so I'm pissed yes absolutely uh as I said the other day uh, we're definitely screwed. It's just about the degrees to which we are screwed. We could be totally fucked and our society could collapse. Or, you know, we could, um, I mean, I could die and everyone else will be fine, uh, as so many people are talking about it. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say that as a person with a broken immune system and a couple heart problems and um, just a truly... Uh, comedic number, uh, like just hilariously large amount of medical conditions. Um, And it seems early data suggests that people with underlying health issues and also people over the age of 60 are particularly susceptible to complications from this virus. Um, And in the past, I have had complications from viruses that people get and are fine from. So... Do you think, what if I just... I'm a little worried. What if I just start carrying around a photo of you? <laughs> and then, what, and being then, like, care about my friend. Yeah. Don't you care about this person? <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't... I, I've seen this meme going around. I don't know how to explain to you that you should care about other people. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Well, I just, like, but, but even the, like, I feel like even the people that I'm talking about like it's not that they don't care about other people it's just that I don't think they are like panic it's too abstract yeah like panic is not the right word because I'm like I'm not panicked I just feel like I've done my research and I feel strongly about what should be done Mm because it just seems clear and like I just wish that other people were taking that as seriously yeah I mean, it's, it's Maybe hard. everyone just needs to watch Contagion because I truly feel like that actually helped me. Good. I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad. I, I actually, I almost suggested that we just make this episode about Contagion instead of what we were actually going to do, which we probably won't even get to anyway. But uh, this makes me so happy because I love that movie. I told you to watch it and you watched it. Yes. Elaborate on that. Um, it's, well, I mean, first of all, it's, it's a, 
good it's a well-acted well-written movie so it's like actually enjoyable to watch the entire time which is helpful but I think that it does a really good job on touching on a lot of the things that legitimately happen and can happen in a situation like this and I like it seems to me like they did their research quite well they did about about how this actually works and I and like above all else I think the thing that I took away from the movie is just how easy it is to spread something that's really easily spreadable like even when you think you're being careful yeah yeah that's to me like one of the spoiler alert Kate Winslet dies like you think she's the star of the movie and then she she, died yeah dies you know because she's this disease detective like epidemiologist with the CDC she's going around trying to uh, trace the spread of this and contain this and then you know she gets it and and part of the reason that she gets it is because she's you know like working so hard and running herself down. I mean, also, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe she would have gotten it anyway. Wait, That's well, the can fucked I, up thing, can man. I, can I tell you, like, or maybe you're immune, the, like Ben Affleck. Can I tell you? No, that was Matt Damon. Good try, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're not the, they're same, the same shape. They're not actually. Um, yeah, that's true. I guess not anymore. Uh, <laughs> the the thing to me about when Kate Winslet dies, too, is, like, she was traveling when she died, and she's completely alone. They cannot bring her yeah. home despite trying, yeah. and, like, that's real. Like, that, like, yeah. t- like I cried so much today. I'm going to cry now. I'm going to cry now because, like, that's, you know, like, that's what we are scared of, right? It's, like, having to alone. just not – well, yes, of course, <laughs> but not even, like, not even that of, like – of like having a situation that's so bad that like when you know somebody is gonna die like you literally just have to leave them there like it's just the most like undignified like saddest thing yeah like and like that's what we're headed towards yeah when people talk about flattening the curve that's that's what we're talking about that we, if we can spread out the number of new infections over time it spreads out the number of people with serious complications requiring medical intervention um, but if we don't take these measures to uh, spread that out and flatten the curve the the you know graph just goes kind of straight up to the point where you know, we will not have enough hospital beds for people, like one in eight people who need a ventilator will be able to get them. And healthcare professionals will have to make a lot of very difficult decisions about who they can help. They're not going to be able to help people who are sick, but will probably get better on their own. And they're not going to be able to help people who are sick and probably won't get better, even with intervention. They'll only be able to help the people who maybe have a fighting chance. Um, And that's a really fucked up situation um, for everyone. It's incredibly traumatizing for everyone involved, especially those healthcare workers who are working on this day and night um, and just doing everything they can and people are still dying and there's so many people that they're not able to help. Um, yeah, that's real fucked up. 
Um, I think that's the part that like people are not believing that like that yeah, could be that that's real possible. here. Yeah. Because like obviously we've never, not only have we never seen something like that before, but like most people not in our lifetime. Well, yeah, and, like most people have never even had to come close to something like that. Right. Like, and like, right. we were talking. I mean, we were talking a lot before this podcast. <laughs> Again, we've made Wait, several before... off-air podcasts. What? Yeah, before. That you, you say something I just want to tack one more thing onto yeah. that about Kate Winslet dying alone um is that she well she didn't die alone she died in a field hospital um and she died offering her jacket to the person next to her yeah the person was like shivering and she knew that she was gonna die so she he was like, asking for blankets tries, and they were yeah. like sorry sir there's no more blankets and he was like well can you please just turn up the oh heat oh my god you like, know what I just what? realized what? This is this is her retribution for the the, the door scene in Titanic. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's right. Whoa, I mean not retribution, but like I know what, you mean. what what an interesting mirror of that scene. <laughs> wow, it's her karma. I don't know, is that the right word? Yeah, movie karma. Yeah. Sure. Sorry, yeah. what were you gonna say? I don't remember. I don't know. Oh, uh, you were gonna make an important oh, point. Uh, oh, right. We were talking a little bit before about how, like, I think a lo- a lot of the realities of this are things that comfortable middle class people just haven't had to consider before. Because they've always had a safety net, like most of them through their job. Um, and like, I, I feel like it's been, like, I've, I haven't really ever had that and certainly haven't had it for a long time. And so I don't, it, it feels like a situation like this was easier for me to accept because I'm like, oh, of course this is what's happening. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> same, but it's like, seems like it's taking a lot of people a longer time to like come around to that reality or the possible realities that we're looking at. Yeah. Well, they're, because also they're fucking terrifying, you know, like I, I, I think a lot of people's response to this, that seems so nonsensical to us is them just not really being able to, engage with how truly horrifying the situation is especially if you, in places where if you it's let not that in yet. yeah yeah because if you let that in you know and you're not equipped then you don't have the tools to like manage the anxiety about that you know i mean we spend our entire lives trying not to let in the the truly horrific nature of of existence you know like we spend so much time trying to ignore the terrible things in the world and this is something that like I mean that's what's so interesting to me about infectious disease and pandemics well I don't think we talked about this on the air that this is a weird hobby of mine and it's so fucked up which is part of the reason we've been talking so much for the past like week or so is because like like last week I think I had this realization last week where I was like oh this is a real thing I better go learn about it and like you were the first person I came to because I knew there was a lot that you would tell me pretty quickly yeah I just I 
for some reason have kind of always been obsessed with um like infectious disease i i part of it is because like i'm a sick person you know so i'm just kind of like interested in the healthcare system and the system and and like the public health infrastructure in the world and like health or the history of medicine and the history of public health all of which is so fascinating and fucked up um and like always makes me feel a little bit better about how terrible like the terrible healthcare that i've gotten because i'm like mm, it used to be a lot worse and also we've come so far and we only really just got started so uh where was i going with this um, i don't know Oh, just that, like, I, yeah, I've, so I've, I was a person who was aware that this, that we were due for something like this, and I have been kind of mentally preparing for this for years. Um, I mean, I watched Contagion, like, two months ago, because I knew this was coming. <laughs> uh, I wish, I, uh, every time I laugh about this, I'm like, mm, I'm going to regret that. But what else can you do? Right. Yeah. That is my primary Might as well. mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and I think one of the most interesting things about epidemics and pandemics to me is that no one can escape um, that we are all connected. You know, we spend so much time trying to pretend that we're not and convince ourselves that we are not and that we are, you know, individuals who can decide our own fate and make our own choices. But like our choices have consequences and we live in a society and we are all connected. That's just Um, like a fun reality you get to live in for a while if you're lucky. Right. Which a lot of us have been in this country, in the Western world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And we're we're so far removed from death and dying. Um and our our relationship to it is so fucked up especially here in the United States that like our our fears of mortality have have morphed into these like strange kind of distracting behaviors that like when we can't cope with something like this we just behave so irrationally. And and also the panic of it, like it, once people start letting the panic in, you know, that's when we make all of the worst decisions yeah. is when we're panicking. And a lot of people are panicking and I don't blame them. That is a natural reaction to what's happening. This is really fucking scary. Well, and especially without any like real or believable guidance from you know, the government (laughs) or like people who are kind of supposed to be taking care of us. Like what else are you going to do but panic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The leadership on this has been bad, (laughs) real bad, you know, and there was a pandemic response team already in place when Trump took office. And because it was a initiate, like, uh, you know, kind of a pet project of the Obama administration. It was like one of the first things that he killed. We could have been ready, you know, like there are people whose job it is or whose job it was to be ready for this and plan for this. And they still have plans. I mean, that's the other fucked up thing. And like the other thing that's so fascinating to me about this kind of stuff is that 
the is the the human meddling just makes it worse the politics of this all that like there there are responsible professionals who want to do good work and want to stop this and the politicians are getting in the way you know and we're all gonna suffer as a result we are all already suffering as a result yeah it's gonna get a lot worse yeah (laughs) a lot of people are gonna die and i'm not like this is not me fear-mongering. Like, these are the No, they're already dying. Facts. <laughs> yes. They're, it's already There's, happening. Yeah. Um, and we talked about how, you know, the, this, the situation in the United States will be its own monster because of our healthcare system issues and access to healthcare. Yeah, and, I just read, so I, like, very obsessively Google like what's happening is like locally to where I am and there's no confirmed cases here yet but they are opening um, a drive-through clinic but the drive-through clinic is only available to people with insurance or rather it costs cool, cool, cool. it costs $250 without insurance and it seems like there is another place for folks to go if they don't have insurance um but it's un- it's unclear what that situation is. Yeah. I mean, the testing situation is real bad. Um, you know, and another thing that did not have to be this way, the World Health Organization has test kits that were refused by the Trump administration. Um, you know, and there's been all of these problems with uh, labs being approved to make tests in the U.S. And um, we need to be testing people because we need those numbers for research purposes so that we can make better informed decisions about how to handle this. Um, And we need, we, yeah, people need to get tested and they can't. And even the people who are, you know, really making a good faith effort to try and get tested, like, because there is such a shortage, have to jump through, you know, crazy hoops to try and get it try and get it done and it's like on the one hand you know if your symptoms aren't that bad you shouldn't be like overloading the system on the other hand we need the numbers right to know if they're not getting tested we don't, we don't know we don't have any information on this then right we don't we don't know the mortality rate because like very clearly you know some people get this and show no symptoms some people get this and have very mild symptoms and think they just have a cold like you know and then there are some people who get it and their body crashes and they wind up in the ICU and very often die you know so we don't know what the actual mortality rate of it is it seems high right now but that might just be because we don't know that there are actually like millions of million millions or hundreds of thousands more cases that are circulating you know they they north or sorry not north korea south korea jk the other one yes the other one south korea uh had very widespread testing oh i just looked at this chart yeah what was the other country that did not remember (laughs) it was a european other one yeah (laughs) whatever which one I'm sure it doesn't matter. I'm just kidding. It all matters. It matters, but, but your point there are public health professionals continue. who have this covered. Yeah, um, that like because they 
South Korea did more widespread testing, they were able to to find out that, you know, so many young people are carriers of this. And in other places where the testing has really only been for more severe cases where people are self-selecting into getting testing, like that skews the numbers so considerably that like we can't make rational decisions or like figure out how to protect people if we don't have the right data. Yeah, like basically the data in South Korea where they tested everybody showed that there's a shit ton of asymptomatic young people making everyone else sick. Right. And the other reason that the numbers matter is because of the way that they will be manipulated by the Trump administration for their own purposes, which is to say that, hey, we had less cases here because I'm doing such a great job. He's already done that. Yeah. It matters that we have the right numbers because otherwise he will take he will take advantage of the fact that the the lower the numbers are artificially low, you know, and spin that. I mean, he will to spin be like it we're regardless. doing such a good job. Right. He'll spin it regardless, but like we need the right numbers that for now and for the future. And if we want to prevent this from happening again, you know, like we need to know and we don't know. And that's not great. It's not great. It's going to make things worse. It's all making it worse. Um, I love the idea of drive through testing. I mean, when this is all over, can we keep that? Like, can we just have for everything? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I mean, actually, drive through blood testing, probably not the best idea, but you know. <laughs> I have questions about how that would work. <laughs> yeah, it might be a little risky driving off after having a pint of blood removed. But I have, like, but, um, I, I don't know, It that makes it seem really accessible. Like, I've never gone to get tested when I've been sick for almost anything except for the time that I was like, oh, I'm sure I have strep throat and strep throat doesn't go away. <laughs> That's the only yeah. time I've ever been like, I should go to the doctor for this. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we could do drive drive through STD testing, STI testing. We'd all be so me. healthy. Except not. You know, people <laughs> wouldn't take advantage of it. I mean, Or we'd all be like, oh shit, we're gross. <laughs> Yeah. Now I know. Yeah. Well, that's actually like kind of um, a, t- a tension point in public health, which is that like when people have more access to testing, they'll take more advantage of it, like to the point where it, it causes like greater levels of health anxiety and, um, you know, because like if you're like constantly monitoring your blood pressure, yeah, and like sometimes your blood pressure is high, sometimes it's low, it changes. That's what blood pressure does. You know, that's the point. Um, and like home blood pressure monitors actually like cause a lot of unnecessary um, healthcare utilization because people get crazy readings and then they're like oh my god this is an emergency and then the they go to the they call their doctor their doctor tells them to go to the er and to cover their butts in the er they have to run a full panel of like whatever stuff to make sure that you're not gonna die you know because if they say like oh your blood pressure was just temporarily high high and actually you're fine then send you home and then you do have a heart attack like that's a problem for them um you know, so just just one of the, the many ways that our um, healthcare system is broken and also our spotty access to it and our 
access to technology kind of interact in a weird way that like isn't always great because people people say like oh this is the democratization of healthcare if we make it more accessible we or like we make uh like the whole theranos thing right you get one drop of blood and test your body for a zillion different things and obviously that wasn't real i'm really losing it i don't know where i'm going with this this is this is my side note about this which is like a little bit off topic but like it's kind it's the same thing sometimes with like imaging um with mris where like right you can get an mri and like they do like they do so much imaging i have gone to the doctor with injuries so many times and been like can you please not take an x-ray i do not need an x-ray i cannot afford an x-ray like at like send me to pt i'm here so you can tell me you don't know what's wrong and send me to a physical therapist basically and like they insist on doing the imaging but i think it like it's similar where like sometimes patients insist on imaging and it's just not necessarily the best indicator in your like how you should be treated right but then once you see it and you you can diagnose like what you see there i don't know it just like it seems extremely unnecessary in some cases and like makes people think a certain way about what is or isn't wrong with them and right mm, yeah excellent just point. isn't always the most accurate thing and isn't always right. going to be the best driver in your treatment choices yeah but a lot of times it's like well this is the best we got so <laughs> yeah what else do you want you know and i think <sighs> Yeah, I mean that's a that's a huge problem in our healthcare system. Um, yeah, and I've had so much imaging done and told that there was nothing wrong, and then it turns out that like, oh, I had all of these like massive soft tissue injuries that they 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 just didn't see on the MRI or whatever. Um, it can happen is, the other way around too, where you can go yeah. and it can show shit that like yeah that shit's dysfunctional but that like you know for example it doesn't like, seem to be causing get, a problem like get, yeah like it's not necessarily causing your problem or like getting it surgically repaired isn't going to magically mm-hmm. fix you you know it might actually cause like a bunch of other problems yeah yeah it's complicated but i i think in in these situations and in in all situations where you're accessing healthcare really i've found um, you know, there's, there's such a level of like loss of bodily autonomy and control and you don't feel like you are able to make decisions because you don't have enough information or you're not given options or whatever, like to be able to say, I want this test and get tested for something that, that gives you a yes or no answer, whether that actually means anything. Um, gives us this illusion of control. And I think a lot of people have acclimated to having that as like a, if I get tested for this thing and it tells me I don't have it, then I'm fine. Well, and I think that also just goes back to your point about (laughs) Anyone who's ever had Lyme disease is going to tell you that it's never that quite that simple. (laughs) Yeah, Well, I think that just goes back to your point about our relationship with like death and mortality is Mm -hmm. like all we're looking for is control and like we will lie to ourselves to feel like Mm -hmm. we have it yep like by doing shit like that yeah yeah and it's like also like these tests that are being developed you know here in the united states like what what are they what are they doing what are they what exactly like now that i know a bit more about 
testing and like how blood tests work and stuff it's and like culture work it's like okay so are they looking at the presence of the virus are they looking at antibodies how are they running these tests like because how tests get run can affect like how their result like so a good example of this is that there was this huge interruption in the supply chain for one of my medications before this whole coronavirus thing a lot of people are going to learn in the coming months what this is like and let me tell you it sucks when suddenly you can't get your medication anymore um because they tested one version of it and they found these elevated levels of this uh chemical in the medication that might cause cancer um we don't know but maybe and so they like pulled that from the shelves and then uh walgreens cbs like all these retailers like panicked and pulled all the other versions of it from the shelves so that no one anywhere could get it and then a few months went by and it turned out that the method by which they were testing this used high heat which caused the levels of that chemical to increase several fold to like unacceptable levels whereas if they run another test where they don't expose the chemical to high heat the levels are no higher than what you would get when you eat red meat so all of this like forced me to switch to a different medication in that class that like wasn't working as well and then when everyone in the world switched that medication because like there's only a few of them out there um like like all of the brand name version of that was out when I went to the pharmacy one day so then I had just like without really thinking about it picked up a generic and had a terrible reaction to that and then it turned out that the whole time I was not doing very well on this other version of the medication so finally I was able to switch back to the other one but like you know all because of some like flaw in the testing like caused this this huge global shortage of um uh, incredibly common me- medication and like caused a huge like spiral down in my own health and it's just like uh, you know here's my silver lining of that for you i think yeah because it made you figure out some stuff and get a doctor that you kind of think is okay i mean yeah i've only seen her once (laughs) yeah well it's better than i've heard you talk about some other doctors that you've had to see yeah that's true so yeah no it did okay yes it's i know that's not good that i had been putting off but it just was like you know none of that had to happen and it it, we're just (sighs) science is a, a work in progress at all times by definition you know and people want so badly to cling to something that like they will take test results as absolute gospel when really how science works is that you test something multiple times and repeat that result to confirm that that's the correct like that's the actual result like that's that's literally that's the scientific method that's how it works right so when you have one test that says like yes or no a test of dubious origins that like may or may not actually be that effective and then you say like 
oh, well, I don't have this thing, when actually once people do test positive for coronavirus, they have to be, they have to have three clear tests in a row, like before they'll get discharged. But a lot of people are finding that they'll test them one day and have a negative test and then test them the next day and have a positive test. And then the next day they'll have a negative test. And so it's like, yeah, we need more tests, but also the tests need to have to work. You know what I mean? Like we need to, to have more information about this stuff. And like we, we won't be able to have that information unless we're collecting the data and like making mistakes and and correcting course according to them, but or just only making mistakes, it seems like, and not actually collecting the right data. Well, and I think, like, to me, like, that's the other reason is that everyone needs to just chill the fuck out and stay home is because, yeah. like... it's because we just don't know. We just, we don't know. And, like, okay, maybe we are overreacting, but, like, <laughs> okay, let's overreact right. a little bit if it saves people's right. lives and, like, gives... gives scientists and medical professionals like space to figure this out right space to figure this out space to find treatments space to and and not just a treatment specifically for like complications from coronavirus but like um they're testing an antiviral that's actually used in hiv um because when people get on antivirals, it lowers your viral load and makes you less contagious. That's important. Um, that's why if you have the flu, it can be really helpful for the people around you if you take something like Tamiflu. Not only will it cut down on the duration and severity of your symptoms, it will make you less contagious. Um, and they're testing uh, treatments for the complication. There's like a very specific type of pneumonia that occur- occurs in people who wind up on in the ICU with this. So, you know, they need time to figure that out and test and see like these seem to work, but do they actually work? And are there long-term complications from that? And like all of this stuff. And then in the meantime, theoretically, hopefully find a vaccine. Um, Although, you know, we'll see how that goes and whether or not people will be willing to get that because, oh boy, that's a whole other problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. We just, yeah, we just need to spread this out. We need more time and it's scary and people just want it to be over. And I would also very much like for it to be over, but it's gonna, it's gonna be a while. It's gonna get a lot scarier first. And it like, but I also like think like this is an opportunity. F- like when does everyone ever just get to stay home and chill out? Like, yeah. like, yes, it's scary. Yes. People are losing income. And also like, it's an opportunity to slow re- down, to, like really learn about yourself and really. Yeah. Well, I would say time. yes, yes, for sure. But not everyone kind of has that, that privilege, you know, like obviously like people who have their kids home with them while they're trying to work from home or uh, my situation with work, which is like incredibly stressful. And I'm not, like I've not had an opportunity, even though I'm going to be working from home, like I'm not having an opportunity to actually like get the rest and relaxation that actually I do physically really need in this time Yeah, <laughs> to like keep my body strong enough to fight. Um, you know, or, or uh, what about all of those homeless kids in New York City if they close the schools? They're, they need, they have like 24 hours to figure out how to feed those kids. Yeah. Because they did close, they are closing the schools. Yeah. So it's like, on the one hand, yes, many people 
we'll have the opportunity to find out how how fucking tired they actually are because they've been pushing themselves for so long you know like once you have to, I think a lot of people are going to find that they like crash in this time because they've been running on adrenaline for so long just like pushing through life and distracting themselves with being busy all of the time um, I think that this is actually going to be like a really hard time mental health wise for people Definitely. isolation is really not that great for your brain yeah I mean you know? I'm, I'm already like I I people are not isolating here and so I am very conflictedly still at least for tomorrow like I don't know how it's gonna change day to day like still going to be with some people but like that's kind of the first thing too that made me feel like sad is like I wish I was in Vermont at my old house, like, with the people who I consider, like, my family. Like, yeah. that's who I want to be quarantined with. Um, and it's going to be, like, a strange and, like, potentially lonely experience to n- do it differently. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just one of many things that, like, so many people are learning about for the first time, but, like, chronically ill people have known about forever. It's like, we're so isolated so much of the time, and it's, like, real bad for your mental health. And it's, and, and, and people all the time are like, oh, it must be so nice that you get to, like, stay home and not work. And it's like, actually, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's just, especially it's, when you feel shitty. It's fucked up to not have the choice, right? Like, yeah, right. it's exactly. nice to be able exactly. to do that when that's what you're choosing to do on purpose. Yeah. yeah. But when you have your life and your your work, which was previously very important to you, taken away from you, you know, out completely outside of your control. Like, yeah, it feels really shitty. And like, especially when every, it seems like everyone else is still out there getting to do what they want to do. I mean, yeah, I've um, even had that experience just because of anxiety and introversion. Yeah. Right. That you like, want to go, you want to be there, you want to have fun and be normal, but you can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. And so, like, if anyone's, like, listening to this and feeling like they're they're broken because they're not dealing with this very well, (laughs) or they're, like, beating themselves up for not taking more advantage of this time to be more productive and, like, whatever, like, fucking relax. This is uncharted territory. This is uncharted territory for, for everyone. For everybody, even the people who are not admitting it yet. Right. And also for the for those of us who are actually already very like used to this kind of behavior, like it's it's still it's still hard. And it's also like an extra trip to like watch everyone else have a hard time with it. You know, it made me want to like use my young people's superpowers to be like, do any old people need groceries? I can go to the grocery store. Yeah. Um, But I. Yeah, I mean, if you're able to, like, organize within your community in safe ways, like, that's that's a way to, like, channel the anxiety about yeah. this. I think that's into... what it was for me. It's like, oh, I was like, I need an activity. I want to help. But I, right. because it's not really here yet, like, there there is nothing like that happening here yeah. yet, as far as I can tell that I can see. Yeah. Well, you can make some casseroles and put them in the freezer. And distribute them as necessary. Well, part of, I mean, part of, like, it's like, I don't, 
I don't have any extra money to Means. yeah yeah to like to, like be helpful in that way like I can't give money right. and I can't give supplies but like I am able-bodied and as far as I know healthy like I am not like I think getting sick will suck the chances are that I will be okay so like I would take a hit like go buy some shit for some people <laughs> just because yeah. they can't go out or it's not as safe for them to go out you know yeah I mean, the fucked up thing, though, is that now they they estimate that people are are could potentially be symptomatic for up to two days before they start showing symptoms. Um, which, like, we had a feeling that people might be contagious before they start sh- showing symptoms, but like, oh, I thought it was even. On I thought it was even longer than two days. Um, no, it's probably, you're probably thinking about the incubation period, oh, that it can take no, but I up to 14 days Because the reason they're exposure. saying that now, right, is because mm-hmm. of what happened in Massachusetts, or, like, that was a big part mm-hmm. of it. Um, right. But I thought, I thought it was longer than two days. I guess I'm wrong. I mean, it might be. We well, don't that's, know. we don't know. That's, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> you know, but that, like, I was kind of comforting myself in, in, like, the, the previous estimation that I had read was that, like, people are probably most symptomatic towards the beginning of when they show symptoms. So I was, like, kind of just getting through work being, like, I'm just going to avoid anyone who seems like they might be sick, you know, and, like, wash my hands constantly and wipe but everything that's down constantly. like a nope right now. It's a nope now. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it progressed to the point where I'm, like, okay, it, like, it's no longer safe for me to be around other human beings um but yeah no I was I was kind of comforting myself with with that kind of just like I'll just be hyper vigilant as fuck more than usual (laughs) um you know and just believe in the life-changing magic of washing your hands and I'll be fine um because I have to make some sort of deal with my brain to be able to leave the house you know to, or at least I was. I now I'm gonna be working from home. But um, yeah, no. I mean, it's just to the how scary to to potentially be a vector, you know, for somebody else. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I can go to the grocery f- store for you, but like in two days, who knows what I did, what damage I did on the way. Yeah. Well, that's what I was just saying to someone. Is like, yeah, I guess we could all hang out. And also, in a week, isn't it going to suck if we're all like, oops, we did that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it's so fucked up. Like, just the uncertainty of it is is so difficult to endure, you know? Um, and again, this is something that I live with on an everyday basis of like, I could do this thing and then I could get super sick afterwards because I experience a lot of post-exertional malaise, meaning that like after I do something, I pay a lot of consequences for it and my energy and how my body feels and my symptom burden. Um, And or or, you know, I could go out and do something and pick something up contagious and feel shitty afterwards for that reason and potentially experience complications from that. But like so there's that. But then there's also like on days that I do feel shitty, this like constant questioning of is this my fault? Did I do something to make this happen? Like, 
what if I hadn't gone to that thing yesterday? I'd probably be fine now. Or if I had come home sooner, I would have, I would feel better than I do. Or if I didn't go at all, I would feel so much better. When like the truth is, there are days where I do nothing for long stretches of time and still feel shitty. Yeah. You know, but then there's also a question of like, okay, is this something new? Like, what if I, what if I did pick up a bug while I was out? Like, am I about to get super sick? And I, I don't, I don't know yet, you know, or is this just my regular, like everyday chronic illness up and downs? Who knows? Or like, am I just imagining this? Because I was told I was crazy for so long that I can't, I can never quite shake the thought that I'm making too much of it. And that I am like imagining things, you know? So like, I live with that kind of like questioning and fear every single day. And let me tell you, coronavirus has not helped. Every time I cough, I'm like, oh no. Yeah. I, Is it happening? I keep thinking that Is also. And every time yeah. I hear someone else cough. I know. I want to like, be oh, like, no. are you okay? Where have you been? How many times has that happened? Yeah. Have you washed your hands since that just happened 30 seconds ago? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really scary. And I had a really, really stressful week at work trying to get everything in place so that we could be as remote as possible. And on Friday evening, I was sitting at my desk and um, I have this heart condition that has in the past kind of been an early warning system for infections where like I'll start experiencing symptoms from that like a couple days before I get sick. And then I'm like, oh, weird weird how that happened you know like it took the rest of my body some time to catch up um and I that happened while I was sitting at my desk and it happened in a way that had never happened before which was that it felt like a bomb went off inside my chest and like a shock wave went through my body like I, I I've never had something like that happen but then it like the rhythm like clicked into this rhythm that I have had happen before that early warning that I was talking about. But then also sometimes it just happens for no reason. So I, I can't know Yeah. like, Oh, is this, is this my early warning system or is it, is this just something different that's happening or my usual thing that's happening? Mm-hmm. Or like, is it because I'm just so stressed out and I pushed myself too hard this week, which it absolutely totally could be, you know, just a constant, like, background kind of dialogue of that in my head and like I I most of the time I'm usually pretty good at like pushing that back you know and like putting that on a back burner but like so much in the past week it keeps like you know creeping in of like that oh no feeling is this is this it (sighs) it's very stressful my sister keeps telling me, she's like, I can't breathe, but I don't know if it's because I'm anxious or I think I have the thing. And I'm like, well. Also, like... <laughs> also, tree pollen season started early this yeah. year. And my face is very itchy. So I keep touching it. <sighs> there but is... a stuffy nose is not part of coronavirus. No. So I keep being like, as long as my nose is stuffy, I'm You're fine. okay. That's not one of the things. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I've I've been experiencing a lot of tightness in my chest. <laughs> Difficulty breathing. Isn't it? So I mean, not, like not even right now, but like I've had so many anxiety symptoms that like could be anything, but all they are is anxiety, but isn't that so messed up how anxiety does that to your body? 
dude, this is like the central conflict of my entire life. Is <laughs> like, is it is it anxiety or is it or physical? am I dying? Or is yeah. it both? Or am I dying? Like, oh god, and it's. I I don't know if I'm ever gonna learn to navigate that because. I was gaslighted about my body for so long. But like at the same time, like, yeah, if I have anxiety, I experience physical symptoms because our mental and our physical health are inherently linked because they happen inside the same body. Like, Well, right, which is also a thing that nobody talks about and we don't know enough about because nobody talks about it. (laughs) Right. And the people who do talk about it have a fundamental misunderstanding of what that actually means. (laughs) You know, the mind-body connection. Um, like it, yeah, it is real, but like, it's like, it's a biochemical situation. Like it's a physiological thing. That's a physical situation. Um, and also we just don't know that much about that either. (laughs) So we can't really make any definitive claims one way or the other, but like, I was gaslit for so long about what actually, about my own experience of my own body, that when I do experience physical symptoms, quote unquote, legitimate physical symptoms, it takes me a very long time to take them seriously. Like, um, with that medication interruption earlier this year that I talked about, it, it was like, what was it, two months before I was like, oh, Maybe this isn't just stress and actually has to do with me changing medications that I've been on a uh, extreme downward trajectory pretty much since the day I had to switch. <laughs> like, isn't oh. it funny though how like huh. I've had the same thing happen to me where I where I changed I was on a generic medication without mm-hmm. telling me they changed it mm-hmm. and then I fell apart. Isn't that so fucked up? And yeah. Was it a birth control? Yes. Of course it was. <laughs> and it took me two months to be yeah. like, this has and to nine be what out this of doctors, is. Yeah, nine out of ten doctors will tell you that that's not what it is. Yeah. They're all the same. Because they're like, it's a generic a, and fundamentally it's Fundamentally untrue. One. And I was like, no, yeah. there's no way. The moment I stopped taking it, I was totally mm-hmm. better. But I was like yeah. a disgusting mess for those two months. Right. Yeah. I mean, still, I mean, I, I know that I have like extreme emotional like and mental like I I have premenstrual dysphoric disorder which is like an anxiety uh, disorder that's tied directly to your menstrual cycle Um, and I know that and I still get fooled every time thinking like oh I want to die am I like this forever now That happens to me. And then me. I look at my period tracker and I'm like, oh, I'm just getting my period in three days. First of all, I've started stress eating cookies now. Sorry, I'm chewing. That's totally Let's fine. back to, uh, what am I chewing? Oh, Kara, what am I chewing? Um, cookies. Yeah, I told you, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of cookies? Uh, it sounds like a mm. soft cookie. I'm going to go with an oatmeal raisin. No, they're mini chocolate chip cookies, but yes. Um... Oh, I, too, um, think that the world is ending the week before my period. Mm-hmm. And and it's at the point now where I can be like, oh, I see this is what's happening. And I can communicate with everybody that that is what's happening. But it does not do anything to actually know, change how I feel. Yeah. 
the only reason that it helps once I figure out what's happening, which doesn't always, <laughs> don't always get there in time. Um, but the only reason that it helps to know that that's what's going on is that I can be like, all right, we just got to wait this out. I can usually you know? say that because I use like a period tracker app now, that's usually very accurate. I can yeah. be like, okay, it's going to go away on this day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the only thing that gets me through because otherwise I'm like, oh, I'm broken. I'm this way forever now. This is just who I am. I want to <laughs> die. Like everything is terrible. I can't handle anything. All I'm doing is crying and yelling and I can't handle it. You know? Oh my gosh. I and have to just send like, because that was me last week. I'm going to have to send you my new, because I also have a hard time crying, even though that's like what needs to happen a lot of the times. Yeah. I have to send you my new favorite song that, like, will make me cry every time. It's a, do you know Mal Blum? I don't think so. Um, I learned about about them because Chris Gethard really likes them. Um, mm-hmm. And so they made a song together um, called Crying at the Wawa. <laughs> and it's <laughs> such a good song. And anyway, that's my new cry song for when I have to cry. Nice. Yeah, everybody everybody should be crying a lot, I think. Just let it out. It's it, your feelings are normal. They are natural. You just got to let it out. We just got to wait this out. I find that challenging because sometimes when I start crying, I can't I feel like I might never stop. Yeah, oh, I like, also have that problem. I've had that experience yeah. like many times in my life yeah. and so like <laughs> This is just who I am now. Yeah. I'm crying for the rest of my life. <laughs> Yeah, and so like, so now I've trained myself to basically just never start crying. Yeah. Yeah. It it uh it feels so uncontrollable because it is. Yeah. I mean that about both crying and the world, the situation at hand. Although it's not totally uncontrollable. We we're gonna go for a walk today, uh, but so did everyone else so I did not feel safe getting out of the car but um on our way to the park where we were gonna go walking I saw a majestic as fuck bald eagle flying over a reservoir and I was like after after everything like nature is so resilient and can be so resilient with a little help you know, mm-hmm. when we were kids, the bald eagle almost disappeared forever. It was like an extremely endangered species. And now I see them all the goddamn time. Like I've they're, seen they're them too chilling, in real life, yeah. You know, and it's like got, it, intervention saved that. They they outlawed the chemical that like caused their eggs to get too thin and not hatch and like protected them. And, you know, it's like we we have the technology <laughs> We can save the world. We just have to actually do it. We have to stop fighting um, about it too. We have to stop fighting about it. We all have to play our parts because we, even though it feels like we have no control in the situation, we do. We're all culpable for this and we all have to play our part. And for the vast majority of the population, that means stay the fuck inside your house if you can. You know? And like, if you... If and unless you cannot breathe, basically, don't go to the hospital. They they cannot handle handle you right now. Like and and that's true. Like the other thing is that like 
if like if people do self quarantine, well, this could go one way or the other. If people do self quarantine, you're cutting down on car accidents and uh, all sorts of like other situations, workplace accidents that that wind up putting people in the hospital, right? So they're cutting down on the need for medical services there to free up a lot of people get hospital. hurt at home. I was that's why I said this could go both ways. People I, do a lot of stupid shit. And a friend of a friend have a lot of guns in their home. Well, a friend of a friend is an was an orthopedic um surgeon and I remember when she was like doing her residency she would just like tell us about the like ridiculous, like really actually scary shit that happens to people yeah. in their own houses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Thanksgiving is a perfect example of this. The amount of people that injure themselves on Thanksgiving is truly astronomical um because they're like trying to deep fry turkeys and stupid shit like that although deep fried turkey delicious highly recommend um but anyway like people will still need medical care during this and if we don't uh spread out that curve uh you know like people will not be able to get medical care for anything other than coronavirus basically so like if you have a baby you might be fucked you know like if you have cancer you are fucked like they cannot they they are discharging people from hospitals in the United States right now canceling elective surgeries and non-emergency surgeries to free up beds because they are expecting such an influx of patients so like we got to flatten that curve, man. We got to flatten it. I so went that... to get an x-ray on my foot last week because I was scared I broke my foot. And I was like, oh, oh no. I'm so lucky that nothing is blowing up here yet because it was really yeah. easy to just yeah. go to urgent care or... and get an x-ray. Yeah. And also, like, if you do have to access healthcare during a time like this, like, si- simply by, by visiting a healthcare facility, you might make yourself sick. I was so scared. I mean, that's a fear that I live with every flu season. I was so scared. I was like, okay, I'm not going to touch anything. I'm going to be obsessed with hand sanitizer. Yeah. Oh, I said I was going to tell you about my cleansing ritual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm so curious when this might cross into the realm of like obsessive compulsive disorder. Um you know, because like I, I'm now like ritualizing things to the point where I'm like maybe this isn't exactly healthy. But it's not yet having a negative impact on my life, so I'm rolling with it. Um, But every time I come in from having been outside, I walk inside, I take my shoes off immediately, um, I put my phone and my water bottle down on the kitchen table and go and wash my hands and then uh, take out a sanitizing wipe and wipe down my phone and wipe down my water bottle. And then I take another one and I wipe down all the door handles and I wipe down all the light switches and I wipe down the faucets and uh, then I throw that out and then I wash my hands again and then I take off all of my clothes or I actually have been like double layering so I can just take the outside layer of my clothes off and then I either wash my hands again or take a shower. Um, But I always take a shower before I ever go inside my bedroom or get in bed. I feel like often do immediately upon entering my home i feel like i'm about to turn into that especially because the people i live with are still going to work yeah like i don't want to touch things that they kind of have to yeah yeah 
and like I feel so paranoid and kind of insane while I'm doing it and like usually Ven's not home from work when I'm doing this but yesterday he was when or Friday when I got home he was and so I was going around and like turning all the lights on and off because we have not like um flip up flip down switches but like the push that you know like can't explain it but anyway in order for me to cl- clean them I have to like tr- flip the light on and off basically and he was like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> I was like I'm just cleaning the light switches and all the doorknobs it's, it's, it's so stressful I know <laughs> I know and it's like the only one of the only ways that I feel like I can exert some control over the situation yeah totally but he still he still has to go to work at least tomorrow so. well and like I don't know as long as it's not ruining your life and like as far as you know so far it's working so yeah as far as I know. It's just, it's, it's like, like I'm, I'm concerned enough about myself getting sick, but like so many of the people that I care about are also high risk for the, for complications. Um, and so it's like, it's one thing if like me and my immediate family emerges relatively unscathed but like of all of the like incredible people that I've gotten to know that live with chronic illness and disability and the amazing older people that I know who you know just like bring so much wisdom and richness of experience into my life like the 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 chances that they're all gonna be okay (laughs) you know, um, pretty low. And a lot of them might be really dramatically affected by this. And it's like, again, I don't know if we talked about this before or after we started recording, but the fact that people don't, don't really grasp the concept of like long-term complications from an illness and that they think it's either like the options here are either you get sick and you get better or you get sick and you die. And there's something else in there that's way worse which is that you get sick and you never get better again um you know and I've had that happen multiple times in my life where I've had these like huge steps down in my health um and it's so scary to think about that happening again for me or for anyone in my life or for anyone out there you know that like it's incredibly traumatizing and especially if you wind up in the ICU like intensive care is one of the leading causes of post-traumatic stress disorder well that's why Um, I was so sad not just about when I was I said I was watching a video earlier and like it wasn't just that these people were alone there was people in Italy who were in a fucking tent because they didn't have room for them in the hospital and like I just can't imagine like how traumatizing that is even if you're getting medical care and even if you like escape that unharmed in the end like yeah that sucks I mean and it's not it it doesn't even have to be in a crisis situation where you're in like a field hospital you know like you don't have to be in a tent for that to be traumatizing yeah Um, yeah uh, somebody that I know through my chronic illness advocacy stuff um, 
got the flu like four years ago and she wound up in the ICU for six weeks in a coma for a large portion of that on a ventilator. Um, And she still lives with complications from that. Her voice is changed forever because of the scar tissue from the vent. Um, And yeah, she has PTSD and it's something that she still deals with every day. That's what, I mean, like, this is my... And that was just, like, that was, quote-unquote, just the flu. Well, this is my question for people to... Oh, I didn't get to say my favorite thing. Like, this was the thing that really turned it around for me, like, a week ago or a week and a half ago or whatever, when I was still like, what is this? What's happening? It's like, I heard someone explain it, like, like, because this is when it was still being described by a lot of people as, like, oh, it's just, like, the flu. And somebody was like, okay, but what if we could have stopped the flu? Right. Also, have you ever had the flu it before? Sucks. It fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, it's real bad. Like really? You want Hundreds more of thousands of, that? of people die every year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like, it, that it's was all news. I needed to hear where I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, yeah. Um, but, like, also, like, my question for people is, like, like, we all know old people. <laughs> like, and, like, even if you think you and don't, also, you like, know somebody whose immune system is compromised. So, yeah. like, like yeah. who like this is gonna affect like every person even if it's not yeah. like their own body being directly affected six in ten americans lives with a chronic health condition you know and so having an underlying health condition some more than others put puts you at a significantly increased rate for complications from this um we've also seen that healthy young people sometimes die and we don't know why, you know, but also like the, the quote unquote old people that are dying from this, like are not that old, you know, no. it's not 80 and 90 year olds who are dying. I mean, yes. It's worse are when you dying. are 80 and 90, but still. Well, is it worse though than St- dying well, when you're 60 years old? No, but I mean, you know? statistically, like the older you are, it looks oh, like the yeah, more risky More likely to. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, but like, you know, like this this is our parents we're talking about. Like these and are that's what people I keep who are close tra- to this us. Is what I keep- these are people whose lives matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter how old they are as much as our culture would like to tell you otherwise. These are people that matter. It doesn't matter that they have an underlying health condition. Their lives matter too. And we've been talking or most people have been talking about it like, "Oh, it's not a big deal." unless you're sick or have a compromised immune system and that is, or unless you're old or have a compromised immune system. And like, first of all, how dare you? (laughs) That's very rude. We can hear you uh, when you talk about us like that. And like, you know, that's a massive amount of people. Well, and I also like feel concerned that like those people are not taking it seriously either. Like older people Mm -hmm. who haven't had a lot of health concerns yet, you know, who are lucky to be relatively healthy for their age. Like I've yelled at all of the older people that in the last, that I know in the last two days to be like, what are you doing? Leaving the house? What are you doing? Interacting with other people? You need to stop. Yeah. Again, they're just trying to have some control over their lives. You know, no, no one wants this to be happening and, and people just, we cope with it in different ways. And I don't know if this is like an okay boomer thing, but I, I do wonder if boomers seem to be 
less more resistant to taking these measures and social distancing because they've had it so not so easy most of them but they have I don't know but this is a yeah this is a generational conversation that has been ongoing and their economic situation has been different and they haven't had to interact with that that like almost not having anything at all. It's the same reason why they can't really understand our lives and why they make a lot of judgments on us that are extremely not true. Yeah. Because they also, there are a lot of young people being out there and doing stupid shit. So it's, it's not just the boomers. I think it's, it's really more, it all comes back to that, like desire to exert control and have autonomy in this terrifying situation. And like I said, you know, it's going to take a day where we have a huge surge in new cases, just like what happened in Italy before people really for real start taking this seriously. And that's fucked up because that means it's way too late. Way too late when that happens. Yeah. Apple closed down Apple stores for the next two weeks around the world blew my mind except for in china hilariously but that's because they're they seem to be past the (laughs) getting out of the woods but yeah no i mean as a former former apple store employee um that is truly shocking to me because they didn't like to close for shit except for that weird that weird day when they closed for a steve jobs memorial that was a weird day but yeah i i was pretty surprised and and i think it's important that such a highly visible and influential company takes a, a measure like that, you know, because um, it, it sets an example and kind of makes it okay for other uh, companies to, to do that sort of thing. Although I wish more of them would actually yeah, follow suit. That's like, I feel like that's like somebody has to be the first one to do it. Yeah. And I mean, it's easy for Apple. They have literally billions of dollars in the bank but um yeah somebody has to you know i mean we are lacking leadership on this and i don't want it to be corporations who are leading however (laughs) you know in in a vacuum of leadership people will step in and you just you gotta hope it's the the quote-unquote right people you know yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really nervous about America and just our unique set of circumstances. I mean, we got a lot of guns, you know, we got a lot of uh, delusional individualism, you know, this incredible belief that we are, do not live in part of a society and everyone is out for themselves, um, which shapes so much of our behavior. And then, you know, the lack of paid leave, the healthcare access issues, the testing issue, like all of these factors are folding into an already very disturbing situation and is only going to make it, you know, worse, but in its own unique and horrifying way, probably. I'm a fun person, aren't I? (laughs) Super fun. No, but I... Listen, I don't want to be right about this stuff. No, but I just don't... I don't think you're wrong. (sighs) 
I yeah, mean, I, I mean, I've been thinking about wrong. this for a very, very long time, and I've been following this very closely, and I just, I don't really see it. <laughs> I don't really see it going well. Um, I, I think... mean, one of the nice things about Contagion is that it actually has kind of like a hopeful ending. Yeah. Um, well, I, the the ending to the story is hopeful, and then it like circles back on itself and goes back to how the virus started spreading to begin with, which leaves you chilled, which I like. But, um, you know, life does go on after these things. Um, I also secretly and, and... hope that, like, remember after 9-11 when everyone was nice to each other for a little while? You know, I don't actually. Um, I know that a lot of people were nice to each other, but a lot of people were really fucked up to each other, too. Well, that too, but... Like, it made, uh, it made, besides the part where everyone hated Muslims, which is fucked up and <laughs> great and still going on, so that's, we're going to ignore that part for a second. But I, it's just that when a disaster happened, it brought people together in more ways than had happened, I've ever seen happen as a person yeah. who lives here, and, like... That's all we can hope for when some kind of disaster yeah. happens and we can yeah, know that it's maybe not likely, but we can still hope for it. Yeah. I mean, people will always organize and, you know, the helpers will help. Um, but I don't know. My memory of that time is that it was actually like really hostile and scary for not like not just for Muslims but like I I mean especially maybe not immediately after 9-11 yeah I guess there was some sort of um feeling of unity or whatever um but especially like in the run-up to the war in Iraq well no then it got bad again called you did a un-American <laughs> un-American a lot um getting screamed at by a lot of people for being vocally opposed to what was very clearly a bad idea um you know so that i mean that kind of sh- shades my i think i'm thinking more of the memory of those years that. yeah 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 i mean i don't know it's a it's a different world that we live in now it's a very different world that we live in um and i think we've been you know, like the last three years where it has felt like the world is ending every single goddamn day and they are putting kids in cages and, you know, like really bad shit is happening. Um, you know, I just, I wonder what that has done to to us and our ability to, our resilience, our ability to cope with something like this, our ability to address a situation of this magnitude Especially when the primary instigators of chaos are are still the ones running the show. Hopefully not for very much longer. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Yeah, I... (laughs) Are you devolving into just sounds and sighs? Yeah. Okay. 
Because I was going to say something else, and I was like, I can't keep digging this no, hole. No, don't, don't. I just, I can't. Don't. Nah. No, it only gets, it only gets darker. There's a, uh, a wonderful um, Russian joke that I heard uh, Masha Gessen tell Samantha B on her television she show. towards the, the one end. who's on, on the media all the time? Yeah. I she, so much. She's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, she has she has a really uh, unique perspective and unique voice on particularly on issues related to Russia, but um, I think just on society. But as and they, but as those, general. yeah, but like as those issues apply to what is happening to us right now, like exactly. the things she says are incredibly relevant, prescient as fuck, and like just has has unraveled exactly as she predicted. Um, but she said that Russians have this joke which is not really a joke, what it's like. Um, oh, God, what did she say? Oh, we thought we hit rock bottom until somebody knocked from below. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what, like, every month of the Trump administration has, has felt like. It's just like, we keep we keep finding new depths, new depths to plumb of horror. Yeah. And I just, I don't... I mean, I, I just, I feel like I don't have the stamina for it anymore. I never quite did, but. I feel a, after ignoring the news for uh, about three years, I actually feel somehow like a renewed sense of stamina against it. Um, but I still like don't know what on earth I'm supposed to actually do. Right. And you wrestled with closing a news window before we started recording, and I told you that the news will still be there when you come back. It's okay to take a break. I think for me, part of it too is the like I get like a small high when new when new information is released, and so like this is like a field day for me. I love it. Of course, our entire news media has weaponized that. But but usually, (laughs) like with with other stuff, I find it. I find it not useful, right? But, like, with this, yeah. it's, like, I, I, f- I feel that, like, many of the new bits of information that come out, like, feel, it's not just people talking in a lot of cases, right. you know? Like, it actually, there actually is like it's actual new information. information happening all the time around this. Yeah. Yeah. They're not just filling space. Right. Ugh. So much space to fill. Yeah, I haven't even I haven't been able to even turn on cable news. I like can't. Oh, no, cope I've, with it. I've been reading everything. I don't touch. Yeah, I don't touch the television. I don't. I I usually in various you know current event like major current event situations, I'll turn on the TV and kind of cycle through the news networks because I'm just curious about how they're covering things and what they're choosing to pay attention to and. You know, all classic media studies questions of who who's who's telling us this information? Why are they telling us this information? What interest might they have in telling us this information? What aren't they telling us? You know, like who who's paying for this? Because um, I don't know, like having that kind of media studies background makes me feel like I can see the matrix, which is exhausting. But um, like I... I can't just like watch it, watch, uh, watch news or, or look at one source of news and be like, that's what's happening. 
this is definitely what's happening in the world because I know that that's that's not true. Just like science, it's, well, news is something else. But, you know, it's like you get more of a meta-narrative if you're able to, like, look at it in aggregate. Um, because you'll, you'll see that, like, a lot of the information is contradicting each other. Obviously, like, Fox News and that bubble has its own alternate reality that it functions inside of um so that's always interesting to see kind of in contrast with other outlets and then also always like looking at local news because that's well historically it was more likely to be relevant but now that so many local news organizations have dried up and or been acquired by major bad news corporations um Yep. Nope. Keep digging that hole. I will say this. I, I don't watch cable news, but when I was staying with my dad, like he watches like constantly at really loud volumes. Um, and he yells over it. <laughs> um, my dad did the same thing. But, um, so he watches mostly MSNBC, which I had not watched in a very long time. And the, um, diversity of the people that they had on had grown like wildly since the last time that I watched it, which I was actually impressed by. Yeah. So there's that. I'm still not going to watch it, but at least they had some like different kinds of people on there talking. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I lose my goddamn mind when there's more than like four people on a panel. Cause I'm like, you cannot have a conversation with 11 people on this panel who are all just yelling at each other. You should go back you know, and watch. CNN usually does that, which they, is just like, they like had what are great, you doing? This is so ridiculous. When, when the Onion News Network is really good, they had a really great just like yelling people segment that they would do every <laughs> once in a while. It was, they, those were good. And they were all good, but... Anyway... Do you think we went on about this for long enough? Maybe. I don't know. I was just about to check New York's positive case counter again. <laughs> Wait, you told me not to read the news during this. This is not the news. It's, it's information. That's different. Mm, sometimes yes, this sometimes is no. directly from the uh, New York Department of you Health. You told me to close my browser. I yeah, I closed it and I just I opened it. We've been talking for quite a while. We're up to thirteen in Rockland County. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. I just I'm just I was curious. I hadn't checked it in a while. It's okay. I secretly Googled the North Carolina cases like six <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> is uh, what is Western North Carolina looking like? It's not like? here. As far as yeah. I know, it's not here yet. Um, there's like 30-something cases, in, but they're all east of here. Nice. Yeah, so far. Yeah, I mean, historically, you know, be, being in mountainous areas has been kind of protective. However, given the freewheeling nature of transportation as it is People today, just go everywhere all the time. Like, the, you know? Right. Yeah. But people in rural areas will probably be safer in general. Well, I, Just, I mean, if if for no other reason than like the population population density is so much lower. Yeah, I 
I mean, you would think, but, like, I don't know, there's a confirmed case in Brattleboro where I came from, which is, like, I mean, the, one of the not-as-rural towns in Vermont, I guess, but it's still, like, it's all a place with no people. Yeah. And it's there. Yeah, I mean, it'll get everywhere, I guess. <sighs> Part of me, though, feels like if I'm going to get it, I want to get it towards the beginning, you Why? know, Bef like before it gets really bad. Like when maybe or... you get treated for it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My brain is like doing these like weird somersaults, all of which is like still just trying to like crunch its own anxiety of like all of those questions that I talked about before that are constantly running through my head. Yeah. Because it, like, it feels right now like it's impossible for me not to get it. And I know that that's not true. That's how I feel about um, it. Like, that's how I feel, too, though. Like, I feel like, well, yeah. we're just all going to get it. And some of yeah. us are going to make it out and some of us aren't. I mean, and that is that is true to a certain extent. But and this is such a, uh, I think, contagious contagion does this so well in the movie that, like, we're not all going to get it. Some people because are going to have get natural immunity to it. Some people are just, they're going to be able to take measures to protect themselves. Some people aren't going to get it and no one's going to know why. No, no one's going to, did, did those yeah. words no, come no, out was, in the right yeah. order? Hey, good job, Brian. Can I get? They sounded wrong. Can, no, no, that was right. <laughs> can I, I do have a news update. Okay. Um, the CDC recommends suspending mass gatherings for eight weeks, and they're defining mass gatherings as 50 or more people. Okay. You know that gif of the surprised guy where he, like, kind of sits back and blinks a few times? No. <laughs> Will you send it to okay. me? Okay. <laughs> yeah, let me find it. Because uh, I just did that. Because eight weeks is a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, not that I think it's an overreaction. I'm just like the CDC is usually like like very measured. Yeah. Like and and as many would say, and certainly as they were during the AIDS crisis, far too measured in their in their uh, approach to things. Um, but yeah, that's actually kind of surprising. Surprised guy, Jeff. Oh, it's excuse me. Oh, that guy. Of course, I've mm -hmm. seen that guy. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've made that face a lot. In I've never thought that hard about what his face is actually doing in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure by the time people listen to this, the world will be wildly different yeah i mean that's that's what's so interesting about podcasting to me or i mean really any like piece of media that you create I, we've certainly talked about this with regard to movies i certainly talked at length about this on too fast too forever about how all of the fast and furious movies are time capsules yeah. but <laughs> like podcasts i mean especially if you're talking about current events in any way it's a time capsule so this is Date stamped March 15th, Captain's Log, March 15th, <laughs> Sunday, 8 p.m. I feel Eastern like, time. do you think we could release this before Thursday so that it will make any sense at all? 
Yeah, I mean, oy, I might be dead by then. No, don't even joke about JK, that. Hey, JK, no, I'm sorry. I'm know. sorry. Dark jokes are literally my too, only coping it's mechanism. Too dark. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not ready. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm going to regret making that joke. I already do. Uh, <laughs> Remember the good times when we were just laughing about the Billy Corrigan picture that I'm now still looking at in our chat? Yeah. The world was so simple then. Maybe we could wrap up by ta- No, I was going to say, maybe we could wrap up by talking about those phone lyrics phone lyrics song lyrics <laughs> no then this Sorry. podcast will be like a hundred hours a hundred years long yeah i could only think of one song anyway oh i want to ask you what it is but i almost don't want to in case then we'll never know oh, never <laughs> no oh you know what's really funny Go- going back to contagion i'm just gonna say that this episode is about contagion even though it's not really um <laughs> just to- extremely loosely keep it on theme extremely loosely about contagion um one of my favorite narrative threads in the movie is about jude law's character he is an internet blogger who is trying to uncover pharmaceutical company conspiracies he's not so shitty at first because before that he is actually the first one to be like uh this is a thing this This is a real thing and he was right about that but then he like super got shitty about it okay continue right uh because his viewership went up and then he realized that he could monetize the situation and starts promoting this alleged cure um made from forsythia which are in my area literally started blooming yesterday. I was like, oh, Forsythia, perfect timing. <laughs> Who are you, Jude Law and Contagion? <laughs> it's like, not that I think you actually made that reference to anybody, but like, that's a deep cut. <laughs> I know, yeah. I did make it to somebody, they didn't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I also, the other thing that's wonderful about that movie, Soderbergh, a true visionary, um, kills off Gwyneth Paltrow in the first 10 minutes, <laughs> years before she would go on to be a charlatan on the internet promoting fake health claims. That's a real um, scream move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Visionary. So, yeah, I don't know. Are you done talking? Yeah, I mean... I don't have anything new to say. I feel like we'll just repeat ourselves if we keep going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, everyone go watch Contagion. Unless you think that won't help. No, but it, go watch uh, it anyway. Like, yeah. if you start it and you're like, actually, I don't think I can do this. Like, watch it for 20 minutes and then really decide. But. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive, masterful masterful work of film um visionary work of art also very well grounded in science um i think would give a lot of people a better understanding of how this all 
is kind of connected on a global scale. I mean, the scale of that movie is kind of incredible because it's like following so many threads and really like spans the entire planet. And yet it's still so personal and so intimate. Um, Yeah. Well, that's what's so good about it. It's, It's you know, it's an ensemble cast and they do a really good job of telling like each part of the story in a way where you're very, I felt very invested in every part of the yeah. story. And, and you're even person. like, no, give us more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so go watch that or don't. Um, oh, I watched 28 days later yesterday. Oh, I um, love that movie. I didn't love it. I haven't seen I it in it... many years. I might be wrong. Yeah. Well, I saw it in theaters when it came out and it, scared me so much I never saw it again I was very hungover the day we went to see it I went to see it with my friend Amanda who is now an ICU doctor and I'm very concerned about her um I sent her cookies the other day because I was like I don't know what else to do (laughs) but I know that the next few weeks are going to be real scary for you so here are some cookies um but anyway yeah we went to see it and we were very hungover and it scared me a lot um so I never saw it again. And then yesterday I was like, I'm going to watch that. Because for some weird reason, I find watching Outbreak movies during an outbreak oddly comforting. Um, and I didn't love it. It wasn't it wasn't as scary as it was. It's still scary, but it wasn't as scary. It also looks like shit. Oh, that's because too it bad. Was like, yeah, it was shot on DV in like 2003. So the resolution, at least of the like digital rip on Hulu and the one that I had tried to watch on Amazon a few months ago but couldn't because I had a migraine was also very bad. So like just watch it on a smaller screen if you're going to watch it. Um Yeah, no, it just uh it didn't really didn't really get me. But I do want to watch the sequel now because I never did see that. No, and that's either. about that one's 28 months later. You so know? it's like so the it's way after. Like, yeah. Yeah. Life goes on. And how how does that happen? You know, what is the way forward? What happens after a catastrophic global event like this? Fascinating stuff. Um, I'll probably watch Outbreak tonight. That's available on Netflix. It's currently trending. Um, I'm trying to think of other good Outbreak movies. Um, and the band played on is an interesting one. That's about the HIV epidemic or the AIDS crisis, although not particularly scientifically accurate. Um, oh, the normal heart. They made a movie out of the play. That one's pretty good. Mark Ruffalo is in it. I love outbreak movies. It's really, it's sick. I have something wrong with me. No, but like, <laughs> no, but that's true of a lot of people because like they they made those movies and then people saw them. So, right, this is my true crime. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, Jordan, if people wanted to find you, are you self quarantining yourself from the internet? No, I'm on Instagram <laughs> at jordopc. I'm also on Instagram, but don't look for me. Um, however, blessed news, I'm able to re-rename my old podcast, In Sickness and in Health, 
because the person who stole it, it's a complicated situation. Anyway, I used to make podcasts about chronic illness and disability. You can hear the voices of many people who will be affected by this pandemic. Um, in your podcast feed, just search In Sickness and In Health, a chronic illness podcast, and uh, you got 50 episodes waiting for you there. Or, if you don't want to engage with this at all, go back and listen to any one of our Wistful Thinking episodes. That in I, happier times. In happier times. Etc. Um, remember to wash your hands. Remember to disinfect all your touch have points. I, remember to disinfect your wait, phone. Wait, have I asked you what your favorite hand-washing song is yet? Oh, we did talk about this. I've been using uh, the breakdown to Blitzkrieg Bop oh, yeah, by the Ramones. Okay. I think you did tell me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brought to me by my amazing friend Liz, who did a TikTok about it weeks ago. So I've been using that. Um, how about you? 16 Jolene's still. Oh, I have yeah, not moved Jolene's. on. So I've tried yeah. other ones, and that's still my favorite one. I did try Kristen Shaw as a horse for like a day, <laughs> which I do really like, except it never ends. So I don't ever know when right. I'm supposed to stop. Also, I feel like you have to run around the house yelling. Well, that's, that. why, that's why I like <laughs> that one so much because, like, while I'm washing my hands, I feel like I should be like clapping my hands, and it's fun. It's the funnest yeah. one I've done, but not super effective if you want to ever stop. Right. A special occasion. And if you don't know what that is, just go Google it. It's extremely fun. It is. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter today suggest doing 20 squats while you wash your hands. I'm not there yet. By the end of this, your ass will look great. My ass already looks great. Yeah. I do do calf raises sometimes. I I do sometimes hold like a wall sit while I brush my teeth. I guess like eventually maybe I'll go over into hand washing too. Yeah. See? All these all these fun ways to make staying clean fun. <laughs> uh, don't touch each other. <laughs> Stay the fuck away from each other. Stay the fuck home if you can. Uh, flatten that curve. We can, we will, we must. Uh, what are some other platitudes I can say? Uh, stay safe out there. Don't hoard things that you don't need. Do not fucking hoard supplies that you do not fucking need. And if you are, go give them them. to somebody who needs them. Yes, distribute them to your community. Check on your people. Check on them again. Continue checking on your people. Uh, We gotta stick together. Close emotionally. A minimum of two meters apart physically. <laughs> uh, avoid crowds. Go to the grocery store after 9 p.m. Or at 6 a.m. Uh, or at 6 a.m. You know, got to beat those crowds. It's about density. Keep the density down. Keep your distance. Uh, we're going to get through this. Some people are. Not everybody. We got we to gotta, we gotta do what we can, you know. My life matters, the lives of all of the uh, older and immunocompromised people that have been talked about as if they are just incidental casualties, their lives matter. All of the people who have died so far, their lives lives matter. Our healthcare workers, their lives matter. Everybody's lives matter, but not in an all lives matter kind of way because black lives definitely do matter. (laughs) 
Just want to make that clear. This uh, is not one of those all lives matter. This is not. That was not what I was talking about. Thing. Very different thing. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think I'll leave it at that. Uh, stay safe out there, and um, the world. I mean, I will hope we'll talk to you in two weeks. <laughs> the next time, world's going to be very different. Yeah. Um, okay. Bye. 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 <laughs>